0: this is uh you know that negative thought you've been having and uh, i just uh i just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight so uh go ahead and just turn this show off okay and um uh, yeah, everything's still fine this is blindside with your host bill lundgren an ainc original podcast you serious? we're not holding back truth we're here to help you heal and become the best you possible here's
1: the chair here's the pillow here's bill Welcome to Sight. This is Bill Lundgren, your host of the podcast that talks about mental health, sponsored by the uh, Audio Information Network of Colorado. We're glad to have you here today, and today we're going to talk about post-pandemic uh, events for you know for the blindness community and talk a little bit. Uh, about my experience of traveling for the first time since the pandemic. And as usual, I'm happy to have Jonathan uh, Price, our join, uh, producer, joining me to kind of talk back and forth about the experience. And so I hope you will enjoy this program. Hi, Jonathan. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, Bill. How are you? It's good to see you. It's good. been a few minutes since we've we've had a chance to talk.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, I'm. I'm still uh, feeling a little bit rattled today because there's a lot of things going on, especially after being away for two weeks, right? And just trying to get back to Earth and not flub uh, things, right? Uh, but but anyway, which has to do with what we're talking about. Uh, what. And because of the pandemic, like most people, I was in a cocoon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just stayed pretty close to home to avoid. And and I was one of the lucky ones who didn't get any COVID of any kind. Yeah, uh, Largely because I just, you know, stayed in in this cocoon that I created. The problem (laughs) with the cocoon, particularly the long time that we're away, we kind of lose some of our skills. And, of course, uh, I don't do things halfway. So I go from cocoon to uh, putting together a uh, an event where I was away for basically two weeks uh, in three different locations during that three weeks uh, involving hotel travel and so forth and so on. Right. and. Uh, people tell me that sighted people tell me to do something like that for them uh, is unnerving and particularly, you know, all the traveling around and whatever. And I just, uh, you know, I've traveled before. It's nothing new. But after a three-year basically hiatus, you kind of lose your your skills, your sharpness skills, in sure. terms of dealing with different things that can come up. Oh, yeah. And particularly for me, uh, just thinking about the trip, once I decided to do it, was a little unnerving. And there had to be a lot of thinking through, well, how am I going to manage all the features? Part of what was going on is I was going to uh, a class high school reunion, and I haven't been for quite mm-hmm. a while, and I wanted to do this because it's been so long, which would bring me back in near my hometown, and I wanted to see some friends. And if I was going to go east, the, uh, I'd like to be able to spend some time with my stepdaughter in New York, uh, yeah. we don't get much of a chance to get together and we're both uh, musical theater nuts and nice. so I thought well okay I would do a, a sweep I would start off uh, you know with the New York trip then go to the suburbs of Philadelphia sure where the reunion was and then to uh, end up in Philadelphia for a couple of days to catch up with friends. And then when I began to think about it, that meant transportation, uh, Mm -hmm. meeting people, uh, you know, finding my way around with a new dog, who's really not that used to traveling with me, and uh, to... Uh, be in one hotel. I did know the other hotel, the one in Philadelphia. I would know, mm. and and trying to m- maneuver all of all of this, uh, it became a little daunting. But the thing is, I I feel that if I have a challenge like that, I need to go through it. Yeah, absolutely, for me, not to do it would be a problem uh, because I just don't, you know, I don't want to be in that cocoon forever. Right. And I know a lot of people feel that uh, they'd rather be in the cocoon, but I don't. Life's exciting and we want to make use of it. The thing that is the additional thing for me, of course, is my hearing. I'm hearing impaired as well as blind. And I was thinking about travel, uh, about Mm -hmm transportation and crossing streets with my dog. And uh, I sort of, I got into anxiety mode, which fortunately have enough training in doing deep breathing and so forth to keep that under control. But, you know, when you think about it. And, but one of the things that is important, particularly when you're going into a new kind of situation, particularly when we're blind Mm -hmm. to do some, some pre-planning. Right. Because, you know, we don't want to be someplace and then try to figure out what we're supposed to do next. And you can over plan, Mm -hmm. but you can also under plan. And that, uh, As I look back on it, I did the right thing in the sense that, okay, my, I had some, the other difficult, let me put it this way I I have another difficulty in that I'm male. And men are socially trained not to ask for help. Right. In fact, it's stereotypically wives talk about their husband. Rather than asking directions, we'll just go blind drive wherever and and hope yeah. it finds what yeah. where it is you're supposed to go. Yep. That's the that's the way we're conditioned, right? That's right. Absolutely.
0: Well, it's because we have all that extra iron in our nose.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but but the thing is, uh, and and the other thing is of course when you're in a strange city, you think, uh, well, uh, you know, how can I help I ask for help because you feel kind of vulnerable. Well, I felt kind of vulnerable mm-hmm. with the idea of, you know, just depending on strangers. And one of my favorite lines uh, from Streetcar Named Desire, Blanche, Blanche Dubois says, I exist yes. on the kindness of strangers. Yes. And, you know, to a certain extent, we have have to allow ourselves to do that. So, see, thing that I learned over this past two weeks, number one, is to calm down my anxiety, which meant a lot of deep breathing, you know, mm-hmm. breathing from the diaphragm, inhaling and holding it for, you know, uh, the count of five, and exhaling and feeling the calm go, uh, through your body as you do that. So there was a lot of deep breathing. But on the other hand, I had a friend who dropped me off at the airport uh, here in, in Denver, and they have people, skycaps, who are trained to work with people with disabilities.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I got someone... Who uh, from their service who was just very efficient in getting me through security line, making sure that I got the boarding pass, and uh, getting me to the gate, Mm. no problem. And there were employees from the airline that happened to be around waiting for their plane, So I was in in the company of friends and, you know, they, the airlines, uh, the airlines get it. Mm -hmm. They're paying attention to people with any kind of disability. Yes. And they, they really did pay attention to me Yeah, and and that felt good. Mm -hmm. And once I was in the plane, uh, my dog was a little nervous, which was unusual, but he hasn't flown there much. But he right. calmed him down, and he went to sleep, and no problem there. And then when I got to LaGuardia, my stepdaughter was able to get a path, and I think people need to be aware that things have calmed down enough that if if a situation where you're traveling by yourself, and I was doing hmm. all this traveling uh, by myself. When you're traveling by yourself, if someone wants to meet you at the gate, they just need to ask for a pass. And the airlines have noted that they have a a a passenger uh with a disability with a dog, right? And they're prepared. To, they're really much better than they used to be prepared for that. But my uh, stepdaughter was down there at the gate. To meet me, and she and I were able to go get the baggage. And since it's New York, she had decided we would take the subway, which she's real familiar with. And actually, my dog Aiden had training on a New York subway. So, uh, in fact, there was a question at one point whether they were going to match him up with me. Because uh, another instructor, not his regular instructor, took him on the subway, and he refused to lie down on the subway. And hmm. I told them, and they told me that. I said, "Oh, I think he's a smart dog. I'm not going to lie down <laughs> in New York subway. <laughs> I wouldn't either." <laughs> so, so anyway, that's what he. He was still matched up with me, but uh, he was fine on the subway. We got the subway. Her. Uh, apartment was just a block from the subway, real easy. And also her apartment was right on Times Square.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And we were able to, she arranged it. You can now get tickets via the computer, and particularly those tickets that are released the day of the performance. So we got front row seats. Wow. For four different shows uh, for the uh, nights that I was there, wow, had a great time. It was only a couple blocks away from uh, the theater, and we took uh, Aiden and, and and ourselves on a six mile walk through Central Park, strawberry wow. fields, and so forth. Everything was smooth as glass. Wow. <laughs> And then, of course, my stepdaughter, and again, this is where we get into this, oh, I can't ask anybody to do this. Mm -hmm. She volunteered and decided that she would drive me from New York to Philadelphia. Wow. And take me directly to the hotel where the reunion uh, people would be. Okay. And, And she did, and we made some stops on the way because uh, I wanted to show her my old uh, the house where I grew up and so forth. But we got there. The people that I haven't seen for 40 years, they're uh, just a small group of us mm-hmm. waiting for me. And from there on in, the group uh, took made sure that I got where I needed to go. Wow. Because we had events uh, in several different places. Yeah. And, you know, there was just... They were casual about it. The class secretary took care of all the arrangements. Wonderful. And she she said to me afterwards, you know, it really was nice to get to know you better. And Mm. that's one of the things that I have to keep reminding myself, that when people help me, then we're getting to know each other better. Right. Right. We're, we're, we're not strangers, we're friends that are helping each other out. And uh, that, that is important because we think about people taking care of us, and it's not. It's mm. helping us, but they're getting something out of it too. They're getting some enjoyment, getting to know us better, and knowing us as people rather than some distant figure. Because right. it's kind of hard to be distant when you know, you're know you a little bit dependent on people helping you find what it is that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. It also means that you have to pay attention to uh, the care that you're receiving as being something that you don't feel demeaned. And by that I mean... And veritably, you will find people who will grab you by your arm and right. not even ask you what you need. Yep. But the folks here were more than happy to just let me tell them what it is I needed. And if I didn't need anything, it's fine. And you know, part of what I was trying to make sure that Aiden was comfortable finding our hotel room, which he really picked up very quickly, and also how to get outside, and I could take him out uh, by myself without needing additional help. But at the same time, there were people who, you know, that I just felt comfortable traveling with. They provided the transportation, and in, in so many ways, it was just a, a wonderful experience being with these people. Back in the days when I was a, a fellow student, I was a little bit distant because I was the only student in the school uh, with a disability. Mm, and yeah. I felt, you know, I felt very uncomfortable with that difference. Right. And we've matured. That's the best way yes. I can put it. We've, you know, we, we've learned we're comfortable. And I was able to get to know them better. And they got to know me better. And we left as real friends uh, as opposed to just classmates. And that was a wonderful feeling. Yeah. But i uh <laughs> Unlike what I had expected, uh, the class secretary stepped in and made. Sh- she took me from the hotel where the reunion was into Center City, Philadelphia, to uh, to my next stop, which was a uh, where I was totally on my own in the hotel. She took me there. And uh, unfortunately, in the case of the hotel, there was a uh, uh, concert the night before uh, mm. of Taylor Swift. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and you can imagine that the hotel was not able to get get the young ladies who were uh, booked for the hotel to leave <laughs> when when the deadline was. But, So Aiden Aiden and I Uh, had to sit in the hotel lobby for five and a half hours before my... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, before the room was ready. They said it'd be two hours. But again, very interesting. The Doubletree, where I stayed, uh, they had staff who were kept informed that we were there. And if I needed anything or whatever... They were ready to to help out in any way other than being able to get a room. Sure, and you know, and I didn't realize that it was so. You know, they didn't say anything about it, but I realized, yeah, oh, this is, this person has been assigned to watch and see if I if Aiden and I needed anything. Mm-hmm. Now, once we were in the room, of course, uh, Aiden really shone because. That's one of the things that you know. a Guide, you have a guide dog. He was able to get me from the uh, from there on in. We went once to the room, and from the moment he knew which room we were in, wow! Anytime I can, I was uh, you know outside, he would be able to get me from outside through the lobby to the elevator, and then once we got up to our floor he would bounce out of the elevator and head directly for that room yes good without without making a mistake great and so you know okay give him give him uh, a a a great great grade for being able to deal with a strange environment in that way Exactly. And they, made it a whole lot better for me so during the course, but you know, the area around the hotel. I had an office in my sighted days. I had offices right nearby, so I remember the. You know, I thought I would remember everything about it, but you know, when you're when it's been three years, four years since you've been to a place, mm-hmm. uh, it's not and you're, you have no visual cue to help trigger, you know, a sense of where you are, it's pretty daunting. Right. Yeah. And, you know, part of it being you're just out of practice, but it's also it's a, it's a, uh, it is a sense that you lose, and, and if you haven't been doing this for a while, you really lose it again. And that, but fortunately, again, uh, I made arrangements with people to meet me at the hotel, and we would go have a meal. Uh, it was like it was kind of funny because I had someone at nine for breakfast, someone at one for lunch, and and then I uh, uh, took a cab up to uh, some friends who had me over for dinner, and then we had a big. Uh, problem with getting a uh, a gig driver to take me back to my hotel. They mm. still have, don't get it. As soon as they see a dog, right. they take off. Yep. And I think the doorman of their building stepped in front of the second cab who showed up to make sure he didn't drive off. And they there was a bit of an altercation to get the driver to take me. Good. So we need to talk to some of these uh, gig people about, uh, pay, you know, telling their drivers they don't really have a choice in the matter. Right. But that's the kind of thing you become aware of. And then uh, I had to go to get to the airport. Well, being the uh, my macho self, I said, "Well, that's fine. I just hop into a uh, a cab." Yeah. Which I haven't done, taking a cab to the airport, mm-hmm. and but I also had this delusion, you know, I'm male, I should like be able to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, for my stepdaughter called at the hotel that uh, the night before and get check, see how I was, and she said, you know, you're taking luggage, a backpack, and a large dog. Yeah. You're just gonna hop in a cab? Uh, No, I don't think so. (laughs) No. And I said, well, you know, it'll be okay. You know, the the eternal optimist. Of course, I was feeling it in my stomach, but uh, next morning, I got got an email from the class secretary who dropped me off uh, a few days before. And she said, and I, I, it was mail. It was sent to me that night, but I turned off the computer. Didn't get it until about nine o'clock. I had to be out of the hotel by eleven. And she said, uh, "You know, if you if you're a little uh, uncomfortable with going to the airport, uh, we'll come down and get you and take you." Sure. And so I I replied said I just got your email. I know I'm supposed to be out of here in a couple of hours and there's probably not, you know, uh, making all the excuses, giving her the room that she could say no. Now. Right. Yep. And uh but I said, yeah, I'm I'm uncomfortable with it, but I'll deal with it. You know, the macho the macho line. Right. Uh no more than a minute later after I sent the email, uh, phone rings. She says, we'll get you 11. Wow. And I can tell you the relief I felt. Yeah. Now, one of the other things uh, while I was in the hotel, which was fine. I mean, he, he was, Aiden was pretty good at getting me to the door of the hotel, but there was a certain desire to, Oh, this is a new city. I've never seen it. Before. Uh, right. Yeah. He wants to go explore. Right, so he goes strolling, and I didn't uh, catch him in time. So then I wasn't, wasn't sure where I was. So I heard some voices, and I said, uh, you know, where is the uh, double tree?" And people, strangers, had no problem coming up and, you know, I explained the situation. They said, sure, we'll take you there. Now these are total strangers, never seen me before, but they and were on their way to different things. But they said, you know, or somebody said, I saw you across the street, and I thought, you yeah, know, check, see, uh, see if there is a problem. And this really helped me to remind me that people really, uh, when given the opportunity, uh, can be genuinely nice. We don't have to worry about it.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And so. Uh, and then, as I say, when my, uh, my friend came, they did this, the same thing as uh, happened in DIA. They made sure that I had one of the people who uh, was responsible for dealing with people with disabilities to take me to the gate. And, uh, and then it was from, from there on in, everything was the same unfortunately again here in denver a friend of mine met me at the gate and i will tell you that uh because of the timing and everything the poor dog uh wasn't able to relieve himself for 11 hours oh jeez uh, so when we finally got into denver and got to a blade of grass <laughs> I think there was a newspaper report of flooding in that particular section. (laughs) But, you know, in so many ways, a a trip that could have been a disaster actually turned out to be a really wonderful experience for me and encourages me to go to continue traveling, but just you know, make those decisions that will be in our best interest in terms of connecting with people, making sure that I'm not setting myself up because of some grandiose ideas (laughs) of my skills to make the trip comfortable, but also remembering that the people who, uh, who helped me Seem to have, and they said to me, they had a lot of respect for me doing it, which always makes me a little swarmy because to me, I don't see that I have an option. I have to do it. Right. But they were more than willing to help. They didn't feel like a drain. They didn't make me feel like I was a burden. And uh, and at the end, I had a chance to be away for two weeks, have a lot of wonderful experiences. And quite frankly, I'm ready to do it again. That's great. And the airlines were, uh, you know, the airlines were perfectly comfortable. Uh, the one thing I learned is that uh, in order to help his anxiety, it's better to have uh, have Aiden back into the seat. So he's always seeing out rather than looking at a wall and looking like he's walking into a a wall. You know what I mean? If I, if he's coming in with me, but you know, you pay attention to those little things uh, because the big things have been taken care of.
0: Well, there's a few things that, you know, as you're telling that story um, that, that jump out to me, the first one is, of course, preparedness is always going to benefit you greatly mm-hmm. if you do it the right way. And there's there's a yep. lot of ways we can talk about, you know, being prepared for you know X situation, either travel or going to a concert, or there's a lot of things we can talk about about preparedness. Mm-hmm. The second thing though, when it comes specifically to anxiety and doing something for the first time, I realized and 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 tell me if this is a fair statement or not that when our anxiety gets triggered or something happens and we're feeling some of these effects we're feeling the tightness we're feeling in our we're, we're feeling the tightness in our chest we're feeling an uneasy feeling we're starting to breathe unnaturally it oftentimes has to deal with Our ability to trust others around us, even though we may have gone through the most prepared situations because we are not in control anymore. And one thing that I learned about anxiety is that it is more of a, I guess, akin to an OCD mindset than it is a um, being free to do whatever, And when you are out of control or you have to rely on somebody else, regardless of your planning, you have to realize that when you, when you have those anxiety attacks or you have those anxiety moments, it's really because you're not allowing yourself to trust somebody else in that particular moment because you are out of control.
1: Fair? That's fair enough. I would go a little bit farther than that. You feel very, very vulnerable. Yes. And there's nothing, you know, they're just very hard to deal with that vulnerability. And as you say, to trust anybody, or even trust, see, the thing is, with anxiety is that your mind goes a little blank. Mm -hmm. And you forget the fact that, oh, this is a situation. I can handle it. Yeah. You know, I just need to settle down and think through what it is that I, uh, that I would need. For example, when you're in a strange city, you know, uh, there's certain things you have to uh, look for. Like, you know, where is the street corner? And then you can find out from somebody, you know, where you are and then get oriented. Or you have to, you know, you have to calm down enough to know that you have resources. and this is mm-hmm. this is one of the things that it's real difficult for somebody, particularly when they're newly blind or yeah. uh, is to know that you still uh, you still have resources yep. and you can still figure out what you need to do. You aren't without resources. But when you get into that anxiety mindset, you forget that. You know, yeah. you want to say, uh, you know, mommy, mommy, you know, give me right. a hand.
0: Yes. And
1: well, it's not that at all.
0: You have to have a, in therapy talk, a pattern inhibitor where you're going through a pattern of this anxious cycle and you're you're feeling all of these things. You have to have some way to, I guess, quote unquote, snap out of it which is a a pattern inhibitor, and you end up telling yourself these stories. I can't get across the street. I can't get a cab. My dog is running off. And you're telling yourself all these stories, whether they be – All these lies, really? Right. And and they may be on the far side of uh, one extreme to the other, whether it be really bad or really good. But – When you're in those situations, you have to have a pattern inhibitor and it'll allow you to say, okay, wait a minute, just like you said, I'm on the street corner, I'm gonna find somebody to help. I'm on the corner of fifth and main. Right. And I know I need to go to seventh and you know, wherever. But you now you understand, now you have some sort of context. And this is what I've talked about on many shows before is taking our emotions and putting them on a shelf for a minute. Mm
1: -hmm. Because
0: our emotions are going to lie to us, right? Our, our hearts lie to us. They, they, they skew our environment to a point where we really don't know where up is up and down is down. And sometimes if we're being honest, it's either sideways, diagonal, or behind us, we really don't know where we are in those right. situations. And so what yeah. we do, we have the fight, we have the flight, and then we also have the freeze mentality where we're so paralyzed by what we're doing that we don't know. And so for you, when you jumped out and you were in this pandemic, as you were calling it, and you jump out to do a three week or a two week trip with three different cities, you're not talking about just like, we're going to go to the mall. We're going to go out of state. Right, exactly. or to You're diving in full bore. Now, not right. a lot of people will do that. So I don't care if you're blind or not. That's pretty commendable. So, congratulations on that. Whether it be the smartest thing to do, well, we you can be the judge of that for yourself. Yeah, but you know, it's an amazing thing that you were able to, you know, do that. I'm I'm really happy for you. I bet that made you feel really accomplished. I'm sure you felt uh, like you could say it, like you said, do it, go do it again. And, right,
1: and learning, learning to remind myself that the lies I was telling myself are uh, are exactly that lies, and yeah. if people are all you know. Somehow, people are there. You know, if we allow ourselves to be open and say, "Look, I I need some assistance," you know, some people say, you know, somebody will come up to me and I'll say, "And say, oh, do you need help?" I usually tell them. Oh, I'm beyond help. You're right. And that makes them laugh and I laugh yep. too. and then it eases the situation. And it's like blame the situation and people are more than happy to help. Yeah. But I have to trust that. I have to trust also that and and I think that part of the antithesis of anxiety mm. is trust in oneself. And what' we're, what we have to do, is, and, and I'm saying this to people all the time we have to uh, join our emotions and our intellect and have them mm-hmm. work together instead of being all one or all the other or having them contradict each other. Right. And it's that finding that balance. Okay, I'm feeling anxious. I got to calm down, I got to take some deep breaths. And then that's I have really to think to this process through because I have the intellectual capacity to figure out what to do. Yeah. I've got it before. Fine. I can do it again. It takes a lot of time
0: to develop those skills because if, if, you, if you're trying to jump in to the deep end when you're in an anxious situation and you don't yeah. have the tools – you could end up hurting yourself more than exactly. you are going to help yourself. So just be exactly. really careful about get some find somebody to talk to.
1: You know, there's a yeah, and that's where the intellect comes in. Yeah, say right. wait a minute, you don't want to step off a curb until you know where you are, right? The, but the emotion says, oh, I've got to do something. I can't stand here in the phone. you know yes uh, yep the, and, and it's having the two parts of you working together. You come up with a solution or a, a a way of dealing with the situation, right? And and you know and you know everybody has this, and I think the certainly the pandemic, uh, I was just reminded over and over again in in you lose that perspective mm. if you haven't been doing it for three years or so forth putting yourself in a situation like I was in, you forget how to do it. That's right. Or you have to be re- retraining yourself to what you're supposed to do and to become familiar with the action of making your way in a strange situation because that's what we're trained to do in in a training center for the blind yeah. or a guide dog school, training yes. us, to uh, manage situation, but that pandemic, as it, as we've learned with school kids, with everybody, that really uh, threw us for a loop in terms of uh, forgetting our training mm-hmm. or our experiences, and also forgetting to to trust. Sure.
0: Well, and and even more than just trying to figure out you know where you are in a geographical location figuring out where you are mentally can can do wonders and give you tools to yep. not only just navigate where you are in a city but to navigate things that come up and if you can pay attention enough you can use a, a very specific tool for a specific situation but you can use that tool and apply it to so many other things if Absolutely. you'll just if you can Absolutely. take the time So like even with um, like, for instance, EMDR therapy, you may go through a particular trauma, whether it be a sexual uh, trauma or uh, an abuse trauma or uh, insert whatever trauma. And just because you've learned tools to deal with this particular sexual trauma, let's say, and you can use that tool now. To apply it to other areas of your your life, it's not a well. I'm I can only use this tool for this one thing, and right. so the preparedness, if you can do it right, is a is a tool that you can use to get yourself out of those situations.
1: Yeah, and I think it, and you know, one of the ways you learn that is by doing. Yes, you know, uh, uh-huh. putting you. I guess the way to put it bluntly to put yourself in situations where you're being challenged and learning how that you can deal with the challenge. Sure, and being able to uh, not just rely on your on yourself, but also feel comfortable in being able to turn some of that over to other people. One of the one of the other reasons I really had, had not asked or talked to uh the person about getting from the hotel to the getting me from the hotel to the airport was that I knew that she lived quite some distance away from where I was staying, and you know that the those words I didn't want to trouble her right, and that is. Taking uh, taking away her opportunity to let me know whether she could do it or not. Yeah. You know, if I just said to her, oh, is this a possibility? And she would have been free to say, no, no, that wouldn't work out for me. But in this case, she took the responsibility and said, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm available and I try to wiggle, wiggle out of it. And not uh, trouble her, yeah. but I lost on that one. Fortunately, <laughs> <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> yeah. But we're, we're, you know, we're so aware of, of, you know, that neediness that we sometimes feel, even though it's not true, that we don't want to impose on other people, and right. people, and what I've learned, I keep learning, that people are more than happy, and they'll tell me if they if they can't do something or, uh, you know, I know some people who would have parked their car and stayed with me in either airport and not Mm. let me out of their sight until I was on the plane. Right. Which was overkill. Yeah. Yep. And yet, well, you know, when we,
0: I I think it would be, Awesome. If we did a show in the future on pride, because a lot of the stuff that you're touching on is, is can be attributed to a pride issue. And not like I'm, I'm really proud of the things that I've accomplished. It's more of like a, I'm not going to allow people to help me because I can do it on my own, regardless of what anybody thinks. That's a different issue. There's, you know, there's one thing that I hate about the English language is that we don't have enough words to accurately describe what we're going through. And so we have to yeah. pre-qualify it. That's why we should go. Let's just go Greek. Let's go to the Greek. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a lot of really great words and they're concise right. in their mm-hmm. language. But I think it'd be great to do a. They've got
1: a go, word for love. Words, that's right. A word for love. Love is a word yeah. that you can use in so many different ways in English, but they've got specific words. Exactly. Or different kinds of love, Phileo, agape. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and but the, the pride thing is, I think it's that's one of the things that's real tough. I think for people who uh, have any kind of disability, yeah, is they, they know they have that. They feel may may feel less than. And they want to con- constantly prove to themselves as much as anybody else, I'm not really that disabled. Right. But then we get into trouble. Yep. We can get into trouble. Sometimes it's okay, but at the same time, there we have to draw some some boundaries like uh, you know, why why is it that Aiden wasn't willing to lie down on the subway floor? Well, he probably didn't want to get dirty, (laughs) whatever it was. But, Uh you know, the thing is that we have to get a little dirty and say, okay, I need to have somebody give me assistance in order that I can do what it is that I want to do. And there's nothing demeaning about asking somebody to help. right? And, in fact, we're social animals. We're supposed to ask for assistance. That's why we have the civilization that we have because those early folks said, oh, I can't do this by myself. But if a group of us get together, we can hunt animals or we can um, yeah. grow food or whatever That's and right. together that, yep. that we can achieve. And that's one of the things we may be forgetting as a society right now, but that's what we have to do. And we have to say, it's okay for me to ask for help. Well, I hope that people have enjoyed our conversation and learned something. This is Bill Lundgren and Jonathan Price at Blindsight. And if you have any suggestions or anything you want us to uh, focus on, drop us a line at, uh, a, at the uh, Audio Information Network and we'll give it some consideration. So until the next time, have a great week.